Today on Ways to Flourish, we discuss self-care versus soothing and some healthy strategies to address your own needs. So welcome to our next episode of Ways to Flourish. We are joined again by Dr. Kelly Crace of Health and Wellness at William & Mary and also Joseph Lawless, who is a PhD candidate of American Studies here at William & and today we're going to explore self-care versus soothing. So Kelly, break this down for us. Thanks, Lindsay and, and Brittany. Thanks for both of you inviting Joseph and I to join the conversation. And it's it's one of those areas that I think is very relevant today because I don't know of anyone who is not affected by the events of our world over this past year. Every year we go through periods of time where, where we're affected by something, emotionally affected, mentally affected by something that we often can't solve our way out of immediately. Um, by all means, if we're affected by something and can solve a problem or can go and fix the problem, we want to go there first. But there are times in our lives where we're being deeply affected by something because it connects to our values, it connects to things that matter to us, our emotions are deeply connected to what matters to us. And there's sometimes not always a quick fix. And so therefore, how do we flourish through difficult times? How do we flourish through turmoil? And when we're deeply affected by something, and there are just so many mixed messages, socially, culturally, in the media about what we should think, what we should feel, what we should eat, what we should do to be healthy, that it often just gets very overwhelming. And what we were interested in in looking in our research around the concept of flourishing is what did people that flourish do when they went through difficult times, when they went through hard times? A great example of that is grief and loss. A person is going to feel that for a very long time, and yet, you know, there's nothing they can solve about it, nothing they can fix about it. And I think we've had a lot of people this year experiencing different levels of grief and loss um, that they have to manage. And so we were, we were fascinated by, are there a few fundamental things that people do to be able to still flourish through difficult times? And we found that there's kind of three areas that people flourish, they kind of land on. And I want to expand on one of them, which is around self-care and soothing. But just real briefly, the three things they do is first, they honor their reactions, but they challenge any conclusions. That's something we have to be very intentional about because we tend to do just the opposite. When we're hurting, we tend to want to distance from it. We tend to want to get away from it. And during those times, we tend to get very naturally conclusive. We say something conclusive about ourself or about the world around us or about our future, but it's just natural to do that. They tend to do just the opposite. They very intentionally and mindfully honor the reaction by saying, I'm hurt because something hurtful happened. I'm upset because something upsetting happened. So they honor that feeling and honor that these feelings are connected to something that matters to me. And then their work is they try to challenge those conclusions. So when they get conclusive, which they do, they, they tell themselves, stop. This is normal for me to think, but it's not helpful right now. And they turn then to the second thing, which is self-care. They focus on self-care. But the interesting difference is they don't focus on self-care in order to feel better. They do it for the health of it. And that really gets at the difference between self-care and soothing, um, which I'll come back to and kind of expand on. But just real briefly, the third thing that they move into, they step back into their values. They focus on something very important to them, even while affected, to really kind of help remind them that they can be affected by something, but they're not necessarily defined by it. 
Because when we can step into our values and step into something that matters to us, it gives us a sense of personal agency that no matter what is happening around me or to me, I still have that ability to step into what matters to me. And that helps us kind of cope. That, those are kind of advanced coping methods to flourish when we're affected. But the tricky one is that second one, that self-care versus soothing. There's nothing wrong with soothing. It's, it's helpful and healthy for us to step into things that are restorative, to step into the things that are enjoyable. Really what it comes down to is our intentionality. What is your purpose for stepping into this soothing or self-care activity? And when it's soothing, what can happen is we can move into this intention to desperately feel better. That the goal is when we tend to soothe, we tend to kind of drift into, I need to feel better. I need to change my mood. I need to change my experience. I need to escape whatever I'm experiencing right now. And what can happen with that is when the need, when it moves into a need to feel better, what you're really trying to do is change brain chemistry. And there are only five quick ways to change brain chemistry. It's not very healthy, but there are only five quick ways to change brain chemistry. And that's food, drugs, sex, pain, and compelling entertainment. Those are the ways that change brain chemistry the quickest. And there's actually nothing wrong with any of those five things, even pain. It can be the pain of exercise or things like that. But what happens with that is when the intention is to feel better, we tend to not moderate those things well. We tend to kind of dissociate or really step into this escaping kind of framework to we don't manage or moderate them in a healthy way. So there's nothing wrong with soothing per se. I want to hasten to point that out. There are times when I think it's very healthy for us to step into something restorative. As a um, personal example, I just love sugar cookies. I love homemade sugar cookies, and I love cookies that are made within our family and things. And when I am wanting to step into something where I've been really stressed, my mind's been really active, would love to take a break. There's nothing wrong with me stepping in and to very mindfully enjoying just a couple of really good homemade sugar cookies because it also allows me to think about memories associated that with making sugar cookies with my mom, making sugar cookies each holiday season with my family. I can tune into that and it truly is restorative. It truly is enjoyable. But then there are some times where my need is I need to get away from what I'm experiencing and I step into that and I can eat a plate of sugar cookies and only remember maybe the first one because I don't even remember the rest of the ones that I ate because I'm in this kind of avoidant, escapist, kind of dissociative state. Again, there's even nothing wrong with eating a plate of sugar cookies. Those are fine every now and then. The important point is, what is our mindfulness? What is our engagement around those things? And that's the difference between self-care and soothing. The intention often with soothing can be to feel better, but the intention with self-care is to be healthy. My intention is I want to step into something healthy for me. And so that's the real difference between self-care and soothing. What is the long-term impact of maintaining soothing, not moving into that state of self-care? It's a great question. It, it really, the, the impact that it can have over time is that we move into this place of disengagement to where we move more into avoidance and escapism rather than restoration. We all actually know when we're restoring and when we're avoiding. I know this point of when I'm taking a break to refresh my brain and when I'm moving into, I'm really avoiding wanting to do something that I believe actually I should be doing, but I don't do. And the problem too with the disengagement is we're not mindfully really experiencing the full restorative benefit when we step into something enjoyable, but we step into something that we think is healthy for us. 
If I sit there and say, um, I'm going to go out with my friends, but the whole time that I'm with them, I'm thinking, well, I really should be doing something else. We're not fully mindfully appreciating that moment and getting the benefit from it. And so we have to really own it. We have to own that time. And just that avoidance and escapism is a mindset that moves us away from being engaged in things that matter to us and move us into being healthy. If that starts to become generalized, it just becomes a pattern of avoidance and then crisis engagement. We have to wait until something has to be done and we move into it with that urgency. And that's so overwhelming that it moves us right into needing to avoid and escape. And that just keeps us kind of living at our neurology where we're just doing have-tos and comfort. And we are a purposeful relational species. We have to move to that deeper level. And that's why it's important to kind of turn to more healthy self-care with the intention to be healthy. Really the value of restoring what happens once we move through that state, allow ourselves to have this time to restore. That's kind of the harmony of wellness. That, that aspect of knowing that our brain can't be engaged all the time in things that are stressful and straining for us. That's actually what becomes straining. And as it becomes straining, that need to escape gets stronger. But to the degree that we can mindfully engage in restorative opportunities, we're giving our brain a chance to rest, whether it's through sleep or other forms of healthy self-care, to where we're actually motivated and healthy enough to engage in the hard things in our life that are right wanted to point to Joseph. He's moving into a very hard week, but a very meaningful week. How does he do that so that on Friday, when he's stepping into defending his prospectus and being able to be on at a level that he wants to be? Well, a part of being ready for Friday is going to be, how does he take care of himself today through this week? And it's about being able to form healthy self-care strategies to do that. What are some healthy ways that you care for yourself, Joseph? Again, thank you so much, for inviting me to be here. One question I had, doctor, when we were thinking about soothing versus self-care, when you described us as relational, my first thought was, when do we ask about the why of the soothing activity? Why are we in the position to need to soothe or to feel the compulsion to soothe as opposed to practicing self-care? So I guess one way that I think about self-care is to ask why I may be moved to that kind of to and fro of soothing that you described. Because like you said, we are relational. And yeah. so the why ends up being the question of relation. Why am I feeling this compulsion to, to soothe or to move between extreme states? For me, in I'm a PhD student, and one thing that helps bring together doctoral students in our intellectual community is collective engagement around certain texts, certain questions. Obviously, the pandemic, the state of national and international politics, these are all things that we as an intellectual community want to be discussing. And because of the weight that the pandemic has had on our everyday lives and our capacity to build community in its conventional kind of in-person way, we um, have put together a reading group that makes use of a set of texts written by Sigmund Freud, a psychoanalyst, um, to help us think about the consequences of living in a pandemic, to think about how we may be moved to repeat soothing as opposed to moving towards self-care, to understand sort of the melancholia of loss that the pandemic has precipitated, and for us to think about what the relationship is between the political and the psychological, the emotional, the wellness, by trying to understand how the, the state of politics in the United States has become so acerbic and so violent. And so those are the ways that we've thought about self-care as a community of students, of aspiring scholars, 
And that's uh, that to me has been kind of the purpose of our getting together and also the, the harmony and its result. They kind of meet. Our means of self-care also produces the result of self-care. Uh, so that kind of confluence is often kind of wonderful. When you and I talked on the phone a few weeks ago around some of the Healthy Together guidelines and things from a graduate student perspective, I just absolutely loved that example you gave, Joseph, of what you and your, your peers were doing to manage some of the absurdity of all the things that were going on around us and how to do it in a way that felt congruent with what you like to do and what y'all like to do in terms of kind of discussing various topics from an analytical standpoint, from a cognitive standpoint, that it allowed that portal of opportunity to be able to express the feelings around it and to do so as a community. The three things that you hit that I, I love that you shared is the why behind the intentionality. That's the key around mindfulness and intentionality of what's my why behind stepping into this? Why might I feel the need to escape? Or why might I feel the need to step into something that's healthy for me? What's that about in this moment? And the harmony piece, that the word harmony that you use. Of how do we find a harmony of healthy self-care that really matters for us. And I think in, in a graduate student experience, especially at William & Mary, where so much of our attention a lot is on an undergraduate liberal arts education, I think that sense of community that graduate students can find with each other and among other graduate students is a really important part of healthy self-care. I appreciate you sharing that. And one thing, thank, thank you. And one thing that I think kind of comes out of this group is our recognition that self-care is a challenge that the the working through of self-care is an immediate and there is no uh, readily available form that's suitable for everyone. Our coming together to discuss these texts give us a chance to reflect on what they meant, both in terms of their content, what they mean for our current realities, and also what they mean for us. And that, that final part gets to come out obliquely. It takes some of yeah. the pressure off someone to speak and, and name and define the challenges or traumas that they're living with um, and instead approach them in a way that's more comfortable and makes them in their less less immediate and so less overwhelming in that immediacy. I love that individualized perspective because we think of wellness as coming from both a personal and cultural lens. And so how we may define wellness depends on what our personal and cultural lens is. It's the same way with healthy self-care. We can often get a lot of message defining us to us what we should do to be healthy. We have to really kind of take the time to find what works for us and to know that that's a dynamic process, that it's it's something that can change year to year, month to month, based on what we're what we're dealing with. What are some healthy self-care strategies that we can adopt? One of the ways to think about that is if the intentionality is to be healthy, there are several kind of categories, broad categories, that within each one of these categories, there are a number of different activities you can do that are very personal to you and that may fit within the context that you're in. Generally speaking, you want to think of several categories. First is verbal expression. You can convert your emotional energy to talking with someone that feels safe and trustworthy. Joseph described an aspect of coming together and talking around a book concept, but talking around things of that, that feel important to us. That's a healthy form of self-care. Again, this is not about fixing something. It's about how do we stay healthy. Physical expression, converting emotional energy to movement, some kind of physical movement, whether it's activity and vigorous activity or forms of deep breathing, that type of thing. Creative expression, how do we move 
our emotional energy to some form of creative expression. And you don't have to be particularly skilled or talented at it. It it can be something that just the form of journaling can be a form of creative expression. Uh, Meditative expression is another example of how we can move into a sense of mindfulness, a sense of meditation, and it it can even be prayer if it's consistent with your value system. But it's a form of kind of serene meditation and moving your emotional energy in that way. And all of these things can be combined. Someone may say, I love to take care of myself by going out into nature and taking a walk. And that can be something that they do where it's combining a number of different forms of healthy self-care because it feels meditative, it feels physical, it connects them to nature, all of those kind of things. But it's also okay to periodically take a temporary break. That's also a form of healthy self-care. That's when you're putting it on the shelf and saying, I see that it's here. I just need a break from it. And that's when you go and hang out with your friends, but don't talk about it. Or that's when you move into a movie or a particular enjoyable book, that type of thing. It's just stepping into an enjoyable activity and putting it on the shelf for a little bit instead of putting a lid on it and denying that it's there. Another form of healthy self-care we've described is mindfully coming back to asking ourselves the question, what else is true? Because when we're upset, we tend to get pretty myopic in our thinking. And so if, Lindsay, you did something that hurt me or made me angry for a while, I can only see that see you through that lens of hurt and anger. And it's helpful for me at times to come back and say, well, what else is true about Lindsay? What else is true about me? What else is true about this context? At first, I may not want to ask that question because I want to be mad at you for a while. But if I keep asking that, sooner or later, it expands my vision to where it's a healthier form of being. The nice thing about all of these forms of kind of stepping into healthy self-care is one, is your intention to be healthy? And are you being mindful and accepting of stepping into it and being fully engaged in it? Now, if the consequence of that healthy self-care happens to result in you feeling better, well, that's just a bonus. That's just, that's icing on the cake, so to speak. And so that's something that's okay, but it can't necessarily be the reason that I'm desperately chasing it. I'm not chasing the mood or chasing that feeling. I'm just stepping into something I believe is healthy for me. Some days it may cause me to feel better. Some days it may not, but I'm engaged in something that's healthy for me. And that's why uh, I appreciate and value during a very hard time that Joseph is in with the challenging nature of graduate school and this pivotal time, how he's being so intentional and mindful about this. Your reactions to this, Joseph? Is it okay or how do we feel when the self-care strategies that we're accustomed to using, when they, when they misfire or they actually make us feel not better or they, they take us away from mindfulness? How do we, I guess, avoid turning that inward and blaming ourselves? Yeah, and that's the key. Is I think it's a great question because some of the, the impact of kind of stepping into unhealthy patterns or hoping that it makes us feel better even when we step into healthy things is it can have these residual feelings, such as guilt, such as shame. What am I doing wrong that's not causing me to feel better? We'll often have students that will say, what do you, what do, you do to take care of yourself? And they'll say, well, I typically like to go for a walk, but I haven't done that in the past three weeks. Well, why not? Because it hasn't made me feel better. And they've kind of moved away from something that actually should be foundational for them. But it's because they're just not feeling well. And part of that requires a real sense of active curiosity and compassion. Rather than being evaluative and judgmental on why am I not feeling better? What's going wrong? What am I doing wrong? It's about becoming more curious and compassionate and wondering about it. What about this might not be causing me to feel better? 
on one hand, it might be very appropriate and normal that, you know, I'm probably not going to feel better for a while and that I just need to hold true to things that I believe are healthy for me and be able to accept the fact that sadness is a part of my experience right now. And that's a healthy emotion because I'm experiencing sad things. Fear is a part, an important part of all the uncertainty around me. And that's something I need to hold rather than try to distance from. I just need to hold it by being healthy. As opposed to, if I'm not feeling better, what am I doing wrong? And what do I need to do better? And what do I need to do more of? And that's when kind of the compulsive, ritualistic things can happen. That I have to exercise this amount every single day. And then if I don't, the rest of my day is gone. That I have to connect with this person. It's when we move into needs and have-tos that it goes awry. But we often don't know that unless we take the time to actually reflect and be thoughtful about it. Because we can just get on that pattern so quickly for self-care to be effective, we need to think about it maybe less as an act with an end um, and more of a process that's not end-focused, something that's ongoing, a kind of maintenance, you got it. Uh, a way of approaching well-being that doesn't necessarily come to a conclusion, but is how we live our lives. I couldn't say it any better. In fact, we should have had you start off with that because that was perfect. So you've completely got it. And that's hard. I mean, that's just hard to do when we're aching, when we're hurting when we're anxious. And it's especially hard during this period of time because it's so prolonged. This is the first time we've had to deal with prolonged uncertainty, prolonged upset. And that's why we need each other to support each other in trusting ourselves. How are you being healthy? How do I be mindful about it? And how do I support you during this difficult time when doing that hard thing? Thank you so much. You can access your own self-care resources by visiting us online at williamandmary.edu backslash wellness backslash virtual or download the William & Mary Wellness app.